How are you? I'm okay. We're here on a weekend in the office. It's a little quiet. Yeah, you kind of dragged me in here. I did. I did. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've never done a podcast on a weekend where I just do nothing but this. Is it, is it a weird feeling for you? A little bit. I mean, it's usually like, go, 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 and then jump in here and do this, and then jump off and do something else. Today was kind of like, I, I ran a couple errands, and then I kind of moseyed my way up in here and got the batteries put in the camera and everything. And then I was like, oh, I guess I guess I can do this relaxed today. Yeah, you kind of eased your way into yeah. it. Yeah, I don't know if that's a good thing. No. <laughs> I mean, I don't think you should be hyped up too much when you do a podcast. Otherwise, that's how... No so way. your arguments wow, happen. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Makes for a good podcast. Um, so we often have the debate in the office here, you and I, about gas versus electric cars. Yeah. And since we're into technology, we always, I think that's kind of the, the viewpoint of where we come from, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Tesla obviously has made huge waves. That's, that's kind of the basis of, or the foundation of our conversations. Yeah. But Ford, GM also have made big waves and some, I mean, other companies too, but here in, in Michigan, right, we're surrounded by the big three. So mm-hmm. those are the ones that I think we're, we consume the most when it comes to ads and um, hype and all that other stuff, yeah. right? Because it provides jobs for people here. Right. Tesla's interesting because Tesla can't even sell here in Michigan, technically, yeah. right? They can't open a dealership. So there's right. other ways to do that. But more so, we run into people all the time that swear against electric, Right. I mean, I haven't really run into anybody that no? swears against it. But I talk to people all the time. We're like, I'll never buy an electric car. I'll never buy it. And what it is, is it's never about the features of an electric car. It's always about the mentality of, I'm, I just like gas. I like hearing the engine roar. Oh. I like, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I've run into that a little bit. Okay. Yeah. They're, they're, they'll say that it's, it's a boring car. You want to hear something. Right. It has no soul. Right. And I don't know. I mean, they may be right in some cases, but um, their Toyota Camry doesn't really have much soul either. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough, right? So, honestly, the gas versus electric debate is a great debate. Mm-hmm. I, I think so. I mean, there's great points on either side. What I find interesting on a technology standpoint is like, I, I, I always prefer the electric on a technology standpoint mm-hmm. versus the gas. Um, I definitely understand the difference between the feeling and the sound and hitting the, the pedal and hearing the engine roar and things like that. But I find, so so the technology thing has me sold. I love the tech. I love having kind of the coolest thing. I, I really do like the power of electric cars because it's pretty much all torque. It's just you know electric motors. Yeah. Um, that doesn't ever concern me. What concerns me the most is infrastructure, right? Charging, battery life, battery mm. charging time, mm. um, you know, things along that nature. Disposal of batteries, if we want to talk about environmental. Yeah. Creation of batteries. Yeah. Versus all the other things we're doing. However, on the same token, maybe gas won't be around forever. And this is the way that we have to roll. But what what's your take? Because you you do a lot more research in cars than I do. Mm. And we've had this debate or this conversation a lot over the last probably year or so. And you've had some really good points. What do you what do you take on all of that? I know that's a lot to (laughs) <laughs> to combine into one conversation, yeah. but I mean, it, I I think electric cars are are important right now because you know we're kind of like trying to develop the the technology, and even though they have drawbacks, like you were talking about the the 
you know, the battery degradation and the impracticality of range and stuff like that. I mean, all new technologies have that kind of infancy infancy stage right. where they're trying to make their way and all the bugs and stuff like that get worked out. But I feel like the only way you can really work all that out is to kind of create the product, mass produce it, let the masses use it, and then then you start to like learn, okay, what works, what doesn't work, what they don't like, what they do like, and then kind of tinker with it. I mean, I'm sure that's how the internal combustion car or the car sure. in general sure. kind of, you know, got better as right. it went. So, and the same thing, if you look at, you know, cell phones, like if you compare the first iPhone with now the many, many <laughs> forms that we have now for smartphones, right. it's a completely different world. And I think it's going to be the same with electric cars. But how do you how do you look at the the pain points as a PR issue? <clears throat> and and what I mean by that is you get someone who says, "Oh, you know, I'm going to invest and try this electric vehicle," mm-hmm. and they buy something like um, the car that recently got a battery recalled. I don't know if I want to mention the name, but uh, you know, I think it's a Chevy Bolt actually, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Chevy Bolt had a massive recall on batteries. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, every single one that got sold in a certain period of time yeah. had to get recalled. And so I think the big stat was like GM's Q4, they only sold like 20-some bolts Mm -hmm. because all the batteries got recalled. Yeah. Doesn't that deter people from wanting to actually try another electric car? It may deter maybe some people, that, but like I I think most consumers kind of understand that this is a new technology. There are going to be issues at the start. And companies are still trying to figure out their battery technologies, right? And because that's the biggest piece of it, in my opinion, right? Is the battery? Yeah, I, I don't. I mean, the sound of the engine or whatever is not. It's not that big of a deal to me personally, mm-hmm. and I think it would always be nice to own one gas car, even if it's like an oldie manual, like something just to yeah. enjoy and have fun with. Yeah, I, I think I would probably always want to do that, but to put, you know, put away the idea of having an electric car for day to day seems a bit rash um i think i think right now the kind of mentality that i have is i would honestly prefer having an electric car for my daily driver yeah because of the fact that i've seen that they're way more efficient i have a house so i can charge it (laughs) every day right right and i don't have to necessarily pay so much on gas which is at the at at this point in time kind of going up yeah i mean gas right now is I mean, the gas stations around here for the normal gas is like three twenty. Yeah, three twenty. Sometimes three 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 fifty. Sometimes in yeah. some cases. And then you go premium if you have a car that requires that, and you're looking at you know three eighty nine, three ninety, right, right. four dollars. Right, exactly. It's it so, expensive. Yeah, so I mean, I I think with most people's commutes, I think electric cars would work for the most part. And I think they would probably enjoy kind of the benefits of that. But when you go into like the kind of longer range um, commutes right. or even just taking them on road trips, then that's when the problems with infrastructure and battery range come in. Right. That's when you have those uh, kind of issues. I mean, Tesla kind of, they've they've kind of made up for it because they've implemented more of a uh, infrastructure, right. which is really nice. Which is interesting. Like they've picked, it seems like around here they've picked Meyer. Oh yeah, to be like their their charging stations. Yeah, and uh, and not just the one by us, but a lot of Meyer now have 
those Tesla charging stations mm-hmm. around here, which is which is quite interesting. And we had this conversation actually before because you went to California to visit some family, mm-hmm. and over there in Meyer, they were packed. Yeah, I right? mean, I mean, they're not just in Meyer. I guess they're they're just in well, yeah, any sure. place where. Um, you can put your car down for 20, 30 minutes and go shopping or go get a coffee or something like that. Um, but they, yeah, over there, they're really packed because they're more popular over there. Sure. And doesn't that affect charge time when they're all in use? Yeah. So if you have, uh, I think this is, I think this may have changed for the new generation superchargers for Tesla, but if you have two parallel chargers right next to each other and you have two people charging, um, they're going to charge off like kind of the same bank and it kind of reduces the charge speed so people kind of like stagger themselves if the, if there's room to, ch- to does one supercharger have two plugs on it no so it's two two superchargers but yeah, they are it runs off like the same kind of i forget what the term like what the term is the transformer like, yeah the same less. yeah but like if they stagger themselves um they'll be able to run off their own okay until someone actually like fills up the spot I and see. then the charging the charging speed will get reduced unfortunately by it's half. still not bad i don't know if it's by half i haven't really i don't remember what the the actual um reduction is but it does get reduced a significant amount which is you know annoying i think i could be wrong about this but i think the new generation superchargers have kind of remedied that okay um and i think they have to because of the popularity sure. and the increase of demand for it because in California, I remember my uh, my brother in law. He was uh, he has a Tesla Model Three, and okay. he was dropping us off to the airport, <laughs> and uh, he was running low. He was uh, it was saying that we had enough, but it was getting lower and lower. Okay, and we were like, we're not gonna make it, so we had to stop at a supercharger. So we go and we stop at the supercharger, and there was literally a line, oh, a no. line of Teslas. <laughs> And we didn't notice the line, so we kind of cut, and there was a spot empty that people thought was broken. <laughs> so we went and just reversed in, and then some guy came out of the line and started yelling at us because we cut in front of everybody. So, I mean, it, it's pretty competitive in some cases, in some sure. areas for some superchargers. So, so even though that's an infrastructure challenge as well, yeah. because they have more use cases than not, that, or more cars, rather, that, than they could support. Yeah. And like here, you go to any one of them around our area, which is just out, we're just outside of Detroit, mm-hmm. right? So the, the motor city, You're right? Obviously, it's not <laughs> the electric city, right? Um, and considering our power, we're definitely not the electric city. <laughs> How many times we get power outages? Um, All right. But you go to the superchargers around us and they're quite empty. Yeah. But it seems like as the years go on, they start to get more filled up. Yeah, I think electric, I mean... We, we do have kind of a little bit of a disadvantage here in Michigan where it's kind of harder to acquire a Tesla. You Usually people around here, they'll, what they'll do is they'll go and they'll get it from Ohio. Right. Um, I mean, which is not that big of a deal. No. Ohio's pretty close, but it, it's kind of a little bit of a, an annoyance. But And also on top of that, people here maybe don't like electric cars as much as maybe someone in the West, more sure. Western states. It, it's warmer over there. They, they, they're more true. into solar panels. Yeah. Well, actually, let's talk about the weather for a second because batteries do not do very well in super cold conditions. Yeah, that is. And today, it's 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 in the teens for temperature, but it's in, I think it's like four with the wind chill, mm-hmm. four degrees Fahrenheit. Right. Yeah. And that reduces your range significantly also. It does. So do you know of any kind of technology that they're working on to keep that 
not from not ha- for, from yeah from not happening really well, i mean the the i mean with any electric car they have to kind of condition I, I mean i'm not i'm not an expert just to like just to clarify yeah. but <laughs> this is from what i know uh usually what happens is electric cars will then will condition the battery to get it up to operating temperature okay um right and then and then that that will then because if it's too cold then there, there causes a problem but Either way, when you're in a cold environment, the battery performance is going to get reduced. Sure, because even if you have a heater, let's say, to keep that battery warm, what is a heater running off exactly. of? Exactly. The battery, right? right? So even in that regard, uh, that definitely doesn't do well. Plus, I mean, it sits in the cold all day, all night. Right, right. right. I got to imagine that that hurts it. Yeah, it, it can hurt. I mean... And you maybe hurt the life of it, too. Yeah, it, it can, but I guess it's not... I don't think it's as significant as maybe people say. I mean, the range is for sure hurt. I've heard maybe like it can be like a 20% reduction wow. in range. Um, with with most people's commutes, I mean, like for me, like before I moved to my current location, I had like a, I don't know, 20-mile commute. I don't know, which wasn't that bad. Um, so, I mean, I, I wouldn't say I would get that big of a downside and it being cold and me driving my tesla but yeah. if i was taking road trips that would be the problem you know me having to stop every now and then right you know and in here in this area we don't really have as many tesla superchargers let's say if i had a tesla right but then it gets even worse if i don't have a tesla right you have like a ford or something if i have yeah a ford or, or maybe another electric car i have to rely on electrify america right and i've heard some really bad horror stories with electrify america as in like they don't work and you're stranded yeah like like for example the car like let's say you have a maki right the car will tell you a recommended stop for electrify america and the problem is from what i've seen from videos of reviews the the car won't tell you whether or not the certain station you're stopping at is broken or needs service because it doesn't know it doesn't know yeah so then that's probably up to the owner uh, let's say it's at a gas station, which I've seen before. Mm-hmm. It's probably up to the owner of the gas station to report and fix those things, right? I'm not sure. I, I, I don't know if it's up to the person that owns it or if Electrify America has to send people out to sure. maintain it. Sure. I, I'm not sure how it works, but it's for sure kind of in it throws you kind of for a loop when you're driving and you're like, okay, I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. And then you get to the station that you need to make it to your destination. Otherwise you're kind of SOL. Right. Um, and you go to plug in and it's not working or what's the, like what's more, like sometimes more frustrating is if it works, but it's not charging at this, at the right, you know, yeah. Charge right, rate. Right amperage it was funny. I'm laughing because I've never run out of gas in my life. Oh, you never, never. Okay. But I have pulled in the gas station with zero miles to to, to yeah. empty. Right. Yeah, yeah. And I'm laughing at that. Like, you know, I just made it. Yeah, yeah. Imagine you pull into one of those things and it's like, oh, I'm out of service. That <laughs> sucks. Yeah, yeah. Because then what do you have to do? You have to call a tow truck. Yeah. Because you can't get, it's, just, it's not like gas where you go buy, you know, a, a gallon, a five gallon container. Mm-hmm. You go fill it up. You go fill up your car and you're done. Uh, you, you can't do that. You, yeah. You're, you are really kind of screwed in that yeah. scenario. Yeah, you, you kind of are. And I mean, that's kind of the downsides that you have with going outside of Tesla. I mean, they're working on improving the infrastructure. And but, Tesla was talking about allowing other models to charge on their chargers too. Yeah, they said something about their talks about allowing other companies in 2022 to charge, but I haven't really I haven't really seen anything about it. 
Yeah. And I don't know how quickly it would flip over right. to being allowing. Well, plus that. you have conversions that you need to do with the yeah. connectors, yeah. right? Um, the batteries need to kind of communicate with the charger. Yeah. Right. To know the percentages of full, to know, you know, because you can't overcharge this thing. So, I mean, you'll, you could potentially cause a fire. Mm hmm. Um, and so I think there's a lot of technology that's involved to make that happen on both sides, not just Tesla, yeah, but also on, you know, the Ford or the GM or, or whoever else, you know? Yeah. And, you know, then you have the, the performance car companies that are making electric cars too. Um, the higher end car companies that are making electric cars. There's a ton of people doing it, but to me, the biggest player is obviously number one, Tesla. Mm -hmm. And I really think that Ford is, is coming in number two. What, what's your take on that? As far as. Battery just over overall, overall overall electric car. I mean, I think I think so far Ford's doing a good job. Um, one 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 particular, I guess, company to take a look at is Rivian. Oh, true, Rivian, yeah, Rivian. which is owned by Ford and Amazon. Yeah, well, rather invested by invested by. But I mean, I think they're doing a really good job. Um, they they have a lot of I think engineers that came from Tesla. Yeah. If you look at the their interior, um interiors if you look at the technology and stuff like that it, it looks very reminiscent of what tesla yeah. has and what's interesting too is when you look at the different cars and the and how much they cost versus electric or rather electric versus gas mm -hmm. they're not priced any more than a gas car yeah i mean if you look at um i think volkswagen's new electric car i forget what it's called the id id4 yeah um i think you're right it's it's priced very affordably yeah and it gives you very very comparable range compared to maybe a model three and it gives you some nice technologies i mean it doesn't it's not like it's not like a model three or, or a model s where you're getting all these cool uh kind of cool summoning and, and 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 stuff like that extra stuff right but it gives you what you need to be satisfied with the electric car and it's comfortable i've heard good reviews yeah. on it um and most consumers are probably going to be able to afford it yeah, but here's the difference, though, and this is I think I think this is kind of more of a Michigan thing than mm -hmm. anything else. We have a lot of family that works at Ford, GM, Chrysler, yeah, um, maybe even Rivian because they're here, and so getting a discount on the cars mm -hmm. is really easy. Yeah, right. Getting incentives is really easy. It is. Where when you go buy Tesla, there's no such thing as incentives. Yeah. However, going to buy a Ford or GM electric car now, from what I'm hearing, is the incentives are almost nothing. Other than maybe you get some money off of having like an A plan, like a, you know, I work there. Yeah. Or the tax credit that everybody gets in the United States for a certain number of vehicles that are sold. I think it's $7,500. Mm -hmm. And then once that's, o once that's over, it's over. Mm -hmm. And I think there'll probably be some kind of tax credit for installing electric stations at your business. Mm -hmm. And, you know, those kind of incentives to kind of build the infrastructure right. should government get involved in that regard. But... I, I still personally rate Tesla number one, Ford number two. And the only reason why I don't know where to put Rivian yet is because although that they look sweet and there have been a couple on the road now and they are starting to kind of, they have not produced them like Tesla. Yeah. Right. Like Ford. Um, and so I, I don't know yet where to put them because the mass reviews haven't been kind of thrown out there yet. I, I've seen some good reviews on the, the new Rivian. Um, I forget if it's called the RT one. I'm yeah, not sure. There's the one. I think it's R one T. Maybe R one T. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, it, I've heard really good things. And R one S. By the yeah. way. Yeah. 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 I've heard really good things about them, but they're expensive. I think sure. seventy thousand for the first edition or seventy five thousand. 
I mean, it's an expensive car, and I feel like if you need to, if you want to get to the level of Tesla or Ford, you need to produce a car that's kind of similar to, kind of like how Tesla made the Model Three as kind yeah. of an entry level, you know, gateway into getting an electric car, and how Volkswagen has one as well now. So I think you need at least one car that's affordable, and I think they will eventually maybe yeah, do that. They will to become competitive. just like Tesla. Tesla came out, you know. With the more expensive car, right, and first, then kind yeah. of right, and then kind of built back, went backwards and said we we're going to make one for the average consumer, yeah, and and built something that was I think in the thirty five thousand dollar range, right, um, which was the Model Three, and then then they made the the Model X, yeah, or the Model sorry the Model Y rather, mm-hmm. which is the SUV that was the affordable side, right, and really I mean the technology between the two are, are very comparable, yeah, I mean if you look at I mean, you may have some differences, but you can probably you can get sim- the same technology, the same autopilot on each of their yeah. their models. I mean, uh, I guess the biggest difference is just performance sometimes. Yeah. Um, Looks exactly operational stuff. Like it's it's it really it's just a, a show off thing more or less sometimes. Yeah, gimmicky stuff. Yeah, but there's, I mean, there's a big issue that I have kind of, and and it plays into, um, how when you go and you buy a Tesla, you're buying it directly from Tesla, right? right? You're buying it online. Corporate. Right. And when when you get your your car, it's directly from them. But in, in the case where, let's say, you buy a Mach-E or an F-150 Lightning, you're buying it online similar to how Tesla is doing it, but then you have to complete the process in the dealership. Right. Yeah, yeah. you reserve it online. Exactly. And But then you, you pair up with the dealer who then you order it through. Exactly. And that's how they fulfill it. Right. But then here, here lies the problem where, I mean, it might be related to COVID, it probably is, but their price, they're kind of price gouging. And, and this is hap- happening with all different cars now, too, sure. where you're finding that the F-150 Lightning is going to go probably what they're from, what they're saying, maybe 20 to 30,000 over the, MS, like right. the MSRP right. price or uh, the Maki, same thing. Right. People are, are like they can't get it for sticker. You know what but, I'm saying? But even Ford could put, because Ford has a lot of control, more than I think people think, in GM and all those, over their dealerships, right? Although, like, let's say I, I own a dealership, I still have to play by their rules mm. to keep the Ford name, to keep the Ford cars for them to sell me a car, right? I and, guess, yeah. And they could do what's called a manufacturer price lock. This is what it goes for, period. No matter who sells it. And some manufacturers, like Apple, for instance, does mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. Um, Bose does this mm-hmm. right they say this is the price that our stuff sells for and apple you can buy at best buy mm-hmm. and apple you can buy online you can buy it you know like a guitar center but apple has a manufacturer price lock to say this is what you're selling my product for mm-hmm. you cannot discount you cannot you know price gouge in a sense have they done that though uh who ford oh that's my point though no right but they could they so could even remaining in the dealership model Mm-hmm. They could do that. They could, but they don't. But they don't. Right. And that's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> is I, I mean, that personally kind of hurts me because, you know, I'm, I'm already kind of wanting to put most of my money towards the car that I want. But right. then you're, you're kind of, oh, I need more than that. You know, right. more than what the even man, the manufacturer is, you know, saying that it's worth. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Right. So uh, to me, that kind of leans me more towards, I'm going to buy an electric car from tesla which is still american made if you want to play that game sure right? yeah very american and made actually <laughs> really i mean yeah yeah i mean they're all made here i'm pretty sure right yeah so i mean i i have kind of wanted a model 3 for a while i think it's probably a good sweet spot as far as price and performance yeah. and all the you know 
the benefits you get from getting an electric car, I think it'd be really cool. So, and I appreciate Tesla. I mean, there are some things that the, the only hesitation I have with Tesla mm-hmm. is the craftsmanship stuff. Oh, the fit and finish. Yeah. You know, like it not being perfect or not like, which I mean, I'm not looking for perfect, perfect, but if I'm going to spend 40,000, 50,000 yeah. on a car, even to the point of like the low, the logo in the steering wheel mm-hmm. sometimes looks all screwed up. Like, yeah. like a four year old did it almost like the peel <laughs> and stick and then put a slab of like finished paint on top of it. Yeah. I I mean, that that's what, that's just what comes with, you know, you have a car company that's still young yeah. in comparison to Chevy or let's say GM, Ford, uh, Chrysler. Right. Um, they are really, they've been in the game for so long. They're, so, they're established. Yeah, their quality control is at such a high level. Yeah. But, I mean, lately Tesla's been getting that under control too. I think so, yeah. Yeah. The one thing that I want to give Tesla huge credit for is their safety ratings. Mm. through the roof compared to any other manufacturer part of it's a battery low center of gravity difficult for cars to flip that way Mm -hmm. right uh their avoidance uh systems which i have seen fail yeah they do they're not perfect but even in other cars though absolutely probably even you know worse the ones that i some some that i get a kick out of is you know people like oh i had it on autopilot and i crashed and i hit someone and you know they have the black box in their cars yeah and it sends data back to tesla Mm -hmm. right and they'll review it and say, no, it wasn't. That was a 100% driver fault. <laughs> and I love that, that they're, that they're so on top of these claims to kind of negate any kind of doubt that are in people's minds. And every time you get a Tesla, you are just another data machine for them to collect data on the road you're driving on. Yeah. Right. And although some people on a privacy standpoint don't like that, it's anonymized in a sense. Do you? What do you think about that, though? Because, I mean... With with uh with self driving being such a kind of hot topic, yeah, where you know people are kind of scared about it. Hey, like I don't really want to test or trust a computer, you know, with my life when I'm <clears throat> driving in the road with other people around me. How do you feel about kind of Tesla kind of using us as quote unquote? It feels like guinea pigs in some cases, right? So let let me give you two pieces because I think it's almost a two part question. But yeah, the first part is. How do we trust computers to do a better job than humans? Mm-hmm. Do you get on an airplane? Yeah. Do you ever worry about it? I do. Sometimes, yeah. Do you? Would you rather the plane takes off and lands itself or somebody? I mean, it, just in a in an imaginary mind. I mean, I, obviously, we don't know all the details of how it works. We're not pilots, but in I, your in your mind, based what, based on my knowledge, I would prefer that the plane usually do the job and, and why because i mean they they've kind of nailed it down to kind of be very consistent it's I a guess. precise calculation yeah right that follows the data and makes decisions based on data right to be perfect right that's the job of a computer right and although it's not perfect mm-hmm. what happens when the computer doesn't work in an airplane i mean you, you can have intervention from the actual pilot exactly and that leads me to my second part, point sure Yes, self-driving is cool. Mm-hmm. And in all honesty, I would love it because how much I work when I drive from site to site, sometimes it's a 40-minute to an hour drive. Mm-hmm. It would be nice to have my hands free where I can make phone calls, send text messages, browse the internet, throw a laptop up and work. Mm-hmm. However, I can't. Mm-hmm. And this gets into the talks of the levels of self-driving that are out there. right? Yeah. And I yeah. think currently is Tesla's at level three. 
I, I I'm not I don't remember exactly. So there, you can probably look Yeah, up. and there's levels and I, I don't know the names of them and I don't know what is required. However, Tesla started to release the um autopilot, right? Right. Where it didn't require any intervention. Mm-hmm. And people were turning it on and going sitting in the backseat. Yeah. And that became an issue because they realized the same thing that you mentioned. What happens when the car doesn't do what it's supposed to do? Mm-hmm. And ultimately, on a legal perspective still, because we haven't crossed the line of, you know, autonomous vehicles, we're not yeah. there yet. Yeah. That's the driver's responsibility. Yeah. So the driver needs to be, re- to, needs to remain alert at all times, mm-hmm. ready to take action in case the car doesn't stop for some reason, doesn't go for some reason, you know, attempts to swerve. And, and don't get me wrong. I mean, sometimes you don't have time to react to those things. Yeah. So on a grand scheme of things, I think, though, if every car had some kind of self-driving forget if they even talk to each other let's just say that they don't i think the amount of accidents would be reduced to a a very small amount or percentage Mm. so that that's like kind of half the equation but the other half is is once the cars do start to talk to each other and tesla's already do this then they can calculate what that car sees what this car sees and for instance if i'm in the left lane and there's a car in the lane to the right of me and I need to move over for some emergency, and the car on the right of me can move over too, wouldn't they just go in sync, mm-hmm. right? But so the human, uh, let me go back though, because I'm kind of going off, off the rails here. Human intervention is still required in this level of autonomy. And so Tesla, because people didn't want to kind of follow the rules trustingly, mm-hmm. requires you now to like hold the steering wheel. And, and like there's, there's some kind of input now from you that's required right? before it can just go Full self-driving. There, I, there's I, ways to circumvent that. Yeah, I agree. I agree with what you're saying for the most part. But I guess, so well, you're talking about autopilot right now, right? I'm talking a little bit of both because I know the full self-driving, you don't have to put your hand on the steering wheel. Right, right. But it still requires human intervention because it doesn't it have sensors to see that you're still there. I'm, I'm not fully, um, I don't know fully whether or not it requires that, but I know I don't think you have to keep touching the steering wheel every twenty seconds for the full self driving. I think it just you can just let it do its thing. Okay, I, I believe. Sure. I, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but that I think kind of potentially may cause problems, just because when you're driving and you're physically alert and you're paying attention to everything if something does happen you're ready to act but let's say you're in a situation where something is driving for you you kind of get lulled into this sense of you know non-reaction i feel like yeah right yeah you 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 get into a state of like contentment of exactly i'm good with this and i don't need to do anything right so i feel like therein lies the the potential danger when you're giving those that don't understand the limitations of it, the danger where let's say I'm letting this thing drive for me and you kind of trust it a little bit too much and relax. And then something does happen where the computer is like, I don't know what's going on and fails you completely. You're not exactly ready to take full action to, you know, mitigate the issue. Right. right. And that's where I'm saying, those that do the 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 type of research and, and uh, uh, testing for the self-driving companies like um, 
there's a couple around here that do it. You'll see them with yep. the big cameras and yep. everything. Google being one of them, actually. Yeah. Those people are trained to kind of, you know, make sure that they're always paying attention and ready to act at, you know, a moment's notice. I mean, I don't know if you remember that it was a video a long time ago of, you know, it was a dash cam footage of there was a guy, you know, he was, you know, in the self-driving car, letting the car do its thing. It was nighttime. The computer didn't see the person in front of mm-hmm. them and bam, you know, yep. the car collided with the person, yep. killed, I killed do the person. The, I do remember the video. Yeah. And I mean, the guy, I mean, I don't, I don't know whose fault you can say it is. Right? Yeah. I'm not going to throw blame at sure. anybody. I mean, in a law perspective, it would be the person driving. Right. At this point, we're not past that certain level of you know autonomy. Exactly. So, I mean, the, the person in the driver's seat wasn't in the position to kind of take control and prevent it from happening. And if you have people that are not, you know, insured, like these people that are doing these testings, what kind of implicate like you know is that tesla's fault is that your fault right. like, well and even if it is your fault i mean that's that's kind of such a horrible you know yeah you know kind of reality yeah. that, you know you're in in that in that case and that leads me down the other rabbit hole of liability when it yeah. comes to self-driving and right. so like i said at this point everything's the driver's fault technically mm-hmm. by the law no matter what because you have to be in control of your vehicle right. right there's no law that allows you to not be in control of your vehicle while it's moving right and and so that kind of trumps or supersedes any of the ability to sit in the back seat while you're in self-driving mode mm-hmm. but and, and like now let's say i'm driving and i head on crash with another vehicle because i slip on a patch of ice and you know something bad happens right someone gets hurt real bad i get hurt really bad at the moment i'm not suing ford mm-hmm. which is a car i drive right yeah i'm not suing ford for for that that's mm-hmm. entirely my fault or uh, whatever right. or if someone slides and hits me and they have a ford i'm not suing ford right but now everyone is trying to attempt to sue Tesla because it's a technology that's failing. That Tesla says this works. Yeah. Of course they're signing the waiver, right? Yeah. They're yeah. hitting I agree. Yeah. That all liability is on you and you gotta, you know, you have to take control and you have to pay attention and blah, blah, blah. And as time goes on, Tesla's requiring more and more human intervention because they don't want the the, the, the liability to them. Right. But it adds a third party in the mix. You have two drivers in an accident plus Tesla. Yeah. And now Tesla has to then fight to clean their name up every single time right i mean yeah i mean regard i guess regardless of who's at fault what do you think that like what do you think about the ethics behind it like what do you think about let's say tesla letting people kind of have access to this you know technology letting them test it for them and gather that data at the potential danger of the driver themselves i mean of course you're you're taking upon that responsibility when you agree to do it but what do you think about it you know, in that perspective. Well, to your point, you take on the responsibility. I, I, I'm actually totally fine with it um, because Tesla's tested it in an alpha and tested it in their beta. And mm-hmm. I don't think that they'd mass release it if they really thought it was a beta. Mm-hmm. I think they're, it's more or less a marketing thing to call it a beta. I, I really don't think that it's it has many bugs because you can't you can't release a beta when human life is in, in at, at danger, right? I think they, I think that's more of a marketing name than anything else. Um, yeah. the, the second piece of it is, you know, the human intervention. You have to pay attention. Um, but lastly, every time that I've seen something get disputed with Tesla, mm-hmm. saying the car caused me to crash, Tesla has been able to defend itself successfully to say, yeah. no, you weren't in self-driving mode. You weren't in autopilot mode. You made the mistake. And yeah. here's the data to prove it. I mean, it's entirely possible that these 
people are taking this as a opportunity to, hey, I got into an accident. Let me try to blame the car because it's capable of such things. Yeah. And, you know, they were probably, yeah, like you said, driving it and not using autopilot at all. And I mean, it, it might be just an excuse potentially in a lot of the cases. I mean, and, and there are, and most people are good, but there are some people out there that would take the, that advantage to your point and purposely crash to make some easy money right, right. off of a lawsuit. I mean, harming themselves and others, it's, it's just crazy to me, but there are people out there that do it, right? Yeah. There's insurance fraud out there that that exists. Yeah. So yeah, there, there's a percentage, but it's it's a very small percentage. I think um, maybe some people just don't know if it, how, how to turn it on and off. I mean, even to that, that degree, right? Yeah. You, you have people with a lot of money who buy these cars and sometimes they're of the older generation and the older generation true. doesn't always know how to operate it. That's yeah. okay. But I mean, that's why you're responsible for you and what you, and your actions. And that's why right now, even with full self-driving, you still have to be in the driver's seat. You still have to be able to maintain control of your vehicle. I mean, if your vehicle spins out on the ice because it was in full self-driving and it goes in the ditch, by the law, that's your fault. Mm-hmm. And you actually can get a ticket for that because you were unable to maintain control of your vehicle. Mm-hmm. Until they, you know, they say, "Hey, you can sit in the back seat," or until vehicles have no more steering wheels, that doesn't change. Okay, yeah. I mean, I, I, I agree. I agree. I agree with what you're saying. Yeah. But um, let me pose this question to you. I guess, would you do you in these? I guess in this today's realm of technology and how cars are and the current infrastructure that we have, do you think we're better off giving cars more autonomous ability? Or more driver protection intervention technology, and I guess what I mean by driver intervention technology, like technology, is you have to fully be driving the car, and the intervention technology is there in the background, watching every single input and watching every single kind of variable on the outside of the car, waiting for potentially you slipping up and then intervening yeah. instead of you relying on the car to do most of the driving what scenario do you think prevents the most kind of so i i don't think either of those are are the right answer actually because the the intervention systems are already in place yeah and as a matter of fact they're starting to become more of a standard feature and more of almost a law is with some of the new stuff like the national highway safety administration is putting out right but like let's say for example you have kind of like the current level of autopilot that we have in every car versus every car having auto braking auto swerving yeah like stuff that you have to drive the car but it will intervene if it sees something that you don't see the problem is when you intervene there's so many outcomes to that that could cause an accident anyway Mm. right so i intervene and i swerve to miss a deer well i just hit a car next to me and now i just cause a four car accident on the freeway Uh right i intervene and i emergency brake while the car behind me is tailing me and they don't have enough room to break, right? Not not my fault, but these are some of the outcomes of those. Yeah. So, but my point though is that stuff already exists, I think, to a decent degree. And I think as time goes on, they'll improve. And I also don't think that self-driving cars on autopilot mode or whatever, because they also have that same technology, but it's computer saving a computer, mm-hmm. more or less. I think what needs to happen, truthfully, is vehicle-to-vehicle to, vehicle to communication. Mm. Because if I break hard in front of me, the car behind me can instantly know that this car is braking at this degree and to start braking immediately. Because the, the problem is it's a delay feature, right? Mm-hmm. 
I break, you see my brake lights. Then you say, oh, I need to brake, but you don't know how much yet. Then you see the distance of my car coming at you quicker. Mm -hmm. And you say, oh, that car's slamming on the brakes. Now I need to slam on my brakes. Versus someone in the front inputs a full brake. The car behind us realizes that's a full brake. I input the full, the car inputs the full brake, so on and so forth. Also, I think that causes uh, a resolution for traffic jams and traffic congestion. Yeah. Because what happens is, you know, you have cars going at 70 miles an hour and then there's an accident and everyone rubbernecks it and they all start slowing down to 30 and then they go back up to 70. And all they're doing is looking at the accident. There's nothing going on. Yeah. And if every car just went 70 immediately, traffic would flow again. And even Mm -hmm. in traffic jams when lanes go down to kind of two lanes and all that, right? If everybody did that at a proper speed, which isn't, it's possible, but that's going to cause tons of accidents when a human is involved because people are hesitant. People don't, it's not calculated perfectly. Having full self-driving while the cars communicate with each other can alleviate those things. Mm -hmm. And so one day there will be like no traffic in a sense because traffic is caused by human hesitation more or less. Not always. Yeah, but, there's a delay. But a, but a lot of times it's the delay. It's the slow down, the speed up. And so, you know, if you take a freeway, for instance, and there's four lanes and we do this experiment, it's a wave experiment, right? And we've done this. I've done this in a class before with some other stuff that I do. If you're all going 70 and then one row of cars drops down to like 20 and then picks back up to 70, you cause a wave effect behind you. It's a domino effect. Yes. Yeah that causes a much bigger traffic jam than one row at a time. Yeah. Because one row turns into two, turns into four, turns into eight, and causes this pocket of probably 10 or 12 rows of cars to then also down to 20 miles an hour and then pick back up for no reason. There's nothing in the road. There's nothing to swerve. Literally, they go down to 20 and back up to 70. Mm -hmm. Versus, again, they communicate with each other. Let's say a row of cars did that, and then they got back up to speed. Every other car can just get back up to speed at a gradual pace versus having these dips of 20 for yeah. no reason yeah. and you've been on it we've been on the freeway before where all of a sudden we all slow down and then we all speed back up and we look around and there's nothing like what am i slowing down for right yeah you know? I, I mean you, you're right but how does how does that work and as far as like implementing that in in the in the wide like grand scheme because like in order for that to like work at any useful level i feel like you have to have like the vast majority of cars mm-hmm. having that capability. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and that doesn't happen overnight. Right. But think think, think about it like this. And we talked about smart home stuff. I'm going to just tie this in real quick. Z-Wave. Sure. Z-Wave is a universal communication Yeah. that anybody can understand as long as they have the code behind yeah. it and they have the handler to do that. Yeah. It's very, 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 very doable, especially with 5G now being a big thing too, right? Yeah. It's very doable to create some kind of open platform that the auto manufacturers share mm-hmm. because that happens, right? Like... For instance, um, your gas nozzle is the same size. I'm going to get that that's very primitive, but that's universal. How, USB-C, right. that's universal, So, and that's among many manufacturers. Uh, charging ports on cars, I'd be willing to bet that will be universal, and the way that those batteries communicate to the chargers will be universal. And it's, it's those kind of things that allow you to have that communication. And I think on top of that, I think we'll also have communication with the streetlights as well through the same universal communication. So the way cars can time the lights. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you in that in that regard. But I guess let's say for example in the future where this is starting to become implemented, when where, where is like when do you think the cutoff's gonna be where let's say my old potentially at at the time, I guess, when this is all impl- being implemented, my old twenty twenty Honda Accord <laughs> that ha- can't communicate with anything, right? Yeah. When does that kind of get told? 
hey, you cannot take this on the road anymore. Oh, I don't think that'll ever happen. You don't think that'll no, happen? No, because, I mean, look at today. We have cars from, like, 1950 that don't have seatbelts. Right. And, 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 and they're grandfathered into that. I feel like there's, there, there may be a, a big issue in that regard where, like, you have all these, you know, cars that, like, let's say a handful of cars on the freeway being able to communicate with each other, but then you have all these other cars that still don't. Right. How does that mix? How does that how does that work? I think that's actually easy. So in this how about we put the same scenario of the braking? Sure. So you have uh three cars in a lane. The the car in the front is a a gas car mm-hmm. from 1950. Mm-hmm. And the two cars behind it are electric cars. Sure. The car in the front brakes at a very quick rate. Mm-hmm. As a human, your delay of figuring that out is around let's say half a second to a second of how hard you need to brake. Mm-hmm. For a computer, we're talking milliseconds. Yeah, I, underst- right? I understand where you're going with this. <clears throat> However, the the person that has the car that can communicate with the other cars, I don't think is the problem. What about the car that can't, and then the car in front of them breaks hard because it sees something that's happening? Yeah, definitely. And definitely then you're, you're like, because of how fast everything's happening at such a high level, because of how technology has advanced, how how is you, how are you going to stay safe if those cars are but, allowed? But that's your choice. See again, it comes down to your, that's your choice of driving that car. Mm. You know, so you don't think that those cars will become, I guess, illegal or no, you know, no. I mean, you, you can't. Aside. You can't. But what happens, just like everything else, is they become very few and far in between. Yeah, yeah. That that's right. probably what will happen yeah. over time. But yeah, you can't. I mean, you can't just say, "Hey, you can't drive that car anymore." Right. Mm. But what what also the government does, right, for big gas guzzler cars is they charge a gas guzzler tax. Yeah. So it costs you more to own those things. So instead of saying they're illegal incentivization, it just yeah. exactly yeah. it just costs more. Yeah. yeah. So, so that's that, I think that's the bottom line. I mean, obviously, obviously everything's going to electric. Um, I don't think there's fighting it per se, but you know there are there are, are you know things that you can do to kind of adapt to it and everything. But ultimately, I guess my last question for you is. Are you going to make me install a charger at the office? Probably, because I'm, I'm probably going to get a Tesla. <laughs> my lease ends. Well, okay, that's fine. As long as you buy me one too. Sure. <laughs> you got to pay me more. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, me too. No, this this I think this makes sense. And I I mean I guess our conversation went from gas versus electric to electric versus electric. Yeah, I mean it, we went on kind of a little bit of a tangent with the self driving, but I feel like you have to because of it feels like electric cars and and self-driving have become kind of synonymous you know with each other because they've been kind of growing together right at the same time which is i think really cool yeah it is and we'll see how it plays out maybe we'll we'll talk about this in five years and and laugh at at this conversation probably (laughs) well thanks for coming in on a saturday of course thanks for having me yeah and go back home (laughs) okay i'm gonna go go back to sleep (laughs) all right i'll see you next time